following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Tales from the association, yeah, it's going down. This the podcast, yeah, you heard it all around. Players hit us with that career, cause you know that basketball, man, is not always there. Sometimes it come and go from the recruitment to the college phase, back to the NBA draft, yeah, that's not days. Playing internationally, and at the life at a basketball, man, they gonna tell us all how it go. See, story is how now, now you know. Tales from the association. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to Tales from the Association. I'm Chris Horwardell, and my guest today is actually the first internationally born player to appear on the show, a seven footer from the Netherlands who ended up playing in Louisiana and then in the NBA, Gert Hammink. Gert, thanks for coming on the show. Well, I'm glad to be on your show. Thanks for having me. So, let's, uh, before we get to you, Let's talk about the real important stuff. Your son, Shane, just finished up a very good career at, uh, at Valparaiso, all-horizon team last year. He's playing in the Liga ACB in Spain. How's he doing? Well, I'm glad you're starting with that. Indeed, that is much more important than the old man that I am at this point and uh, way away from any sort of uh, playing minutes on the courts. And, yes, the offspring is doing well. He had uh, – you know, uh, a good two years, well, actually three years as he transferred from LSU. So mm-hmm. it was three years at Valpo, set out one year, and the two years, um, you know, Bryce Drew and uh, Matt Lottick. Just lots and lots of thanks to them, not only from myself, but from Shane as well for what they, uh, you know, for picking him up and um, and giving him the opportunity not only to play basketball, but uh, come away with a college degree. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he finished up you know, uh, in uh, June-ish with the schoolwork and uh, came this way. Uh, apparently broke a bone in his ankle. Started oh. with the national team, uh, tried for four or five days. Uh, there was lots of pain, set out the national team duties and, uh, you know, rehabbed and started in the ACB Spain together with the Euro Cup international play. And surely with every uh, with every um, rookie first year pro player there's some uh, adjustment uh, issues not issues that sounds negative uh, but some <laughs> adjustments to be made and uh, he's going through all of that playing well though in the minutes that he's getting and uh, you know very promising start to a pro career hopefully that's great he kind of followed in, uh, in dad's footsteps with really having that big big year as a senior uh, yeah, I mean, uh, he had a good year last year, uh, um, and uh, if you're referring to my last year in college, that is indeed uh, some somewhat similar to mine. Uh, you know, I had, uh, you know, a guy that uh, that probably uh, his name is going to come up in in, mm. in the remainder and in, in, in the further we go into this podcast. But I was backing up a, a future superstar at my co- during my college days and didn't get a whole lot of minutes. He uh, fortunately uh, decided to uh, forego his last year in hardship, went into the NBA, and that opened the door for myself. And, uh, you know, I was four years at LSU and uh, needed to shed a few uh, kilos or pounds, rather, Mm. and uh, worked hard that summer. All of a sudden, it looked like I was going to play a lot of minutes. 
got ready and um, surprisingly to a lot of people, not to myself, of course, <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. I did reasonably well and was all this, all that and uh, was drafted myself. Yeah. Well, Gert, you're an absolute pro by not giving that name away for those people who aren't aware. And we will get to that in just a second. But let's uh, let's talk about what happened before that. You grew up in the Netherlands. How did you find your way to LSU? What was that recruiting process like for you as an international player? Well, it was different. Um, I'm not sure if your listeners know uh, what age I am now. I'm, I'm 48 years old, so we're talking about, uh, you know, the recruiting process started in 1985, and I actually went in 1988. And, um, yeah, it was different. I mean, uh, you know, anybody younger than 30 probably can't remember times that there was no Internet. And, uh, you know, I was here playing at a little bit lower level and in the youth national teams. And uh, I was playing in the lower levels because there was no pro team close to where we lived. And my parents stressed academics a lot. And, uh, you know, it was just not to, not to be combined. And yeah. uh, so in 1985, I, I played a, a reasonably good tournament a year younger than my teammates uh, with the international uh, under-18 squad. And, uh, you know, Coach Brown of LSU uh, has always had a great connection with international players and international coaches. And I received my first, you know, hard copy mail. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, a standard recruiting package from, from, from LSU. And, okay, that was in 85. I played national team, uh, youth national team uh, for the three years after that as well. And by a, 1988, there were about you know, roughly 25 schools ever recruiting me. And, um, you know, I, I honestly, I didn't know how to different, differentiate between one and the other. Sure. You know, uh, the one telephone we had in our house was attached <laughs> to the wall, as we did back then. And, uh, you know, with the time difference, uh, my parents uh, were driven crazy by, by coaches calling in the middle of the night. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they were telling me pretty much the same thing. We are yeah. the best academically. And we are the best basketball-wise. So I didn't know what to do. And uh, that last summer in 1988, with national team duties, I had one weekend free. Free that wasn't scheduled in. I decided, okay, well, where where am I going to go? Who am I going to visit? And uh, the Dutch reasoning behind the decision was, uh, well, let's be fair and let's visit the school in a one weekend that first contacted me. Okay. And that was LSU, and I went there that weekend. It was, fantastic. It was a fantastic visit. And I flew back 48 hours uh, later to, to the Netherlands, finished up my things here uh, that month, and you know moved there for the next five years. Sure. Had you been to the United States prior to that? No, never. Okay. Never so, been. So this was, you get to LSU, you're 19 years old. This has to be a giant culture shock for you, not only adapting to, you know, basketball in the United States, but also the United States in general? Well, yeah, and, and, and I think it's more of a culture shock. And uh, I, I want to put, you know, put a nuance to that in a minute. But, uh, mm. you know, the culture shock that, uh, that you're referring to for, for, for guys that uh, with, with all the media that's available right now, uh, even if you go now, maybe it's a culture shock, but, but certainly less than it was back then. And mind you, I've never seen a college game. I've mm. never seen an NBA game. I remember on VHS tapes, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, in, the, in the Dutch national youth teams, 
the, the only thing we saw was was the NBA All-Star game. And mm. That VHS tape made the rounds. Every weekend we saw each other, somebody else took it home. I watched it. And that, that, that was it. So never really been. Uh, you know, we had uh, the, 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 the sitcom, not sitcoms, but the, the, the television shows Denver Clan, Denver and then and, and Dallas and that sort of stuff. Okay. You know, I, I just went there, yeah, and I just went there, and uh, you know, the nuance I want to want to bring into it is that uh, at that point I didn't know that, but you know, afterwards I've played in many places, and I seem to be the sort of person that adapts really easily, and uh, it went pretty easy. I mean, sure, lots and lots and lots of things were different in uh, in the United States, Louisiana, than than they were in Holland, but I adapted quickly and loved it, as a matter of fact. Uh, Gert, I'm a little bit younger than you are, but uh, I've, you're really taking me back to my early days with all of this talk of <laughs> no internet, VHS tapes. I, I remember, did you guys have beta tapes? Uh, well, I, I, we had them here, okay. but um, we didn't have them at my house. So uh, <laughs> that was another issue. Yeah, If that, if that uh, All-Star game, that NBA All-Star game was on a VHS tape and one of our teammates had beta, at home, you know, <laughs> they were out of luck. <laughs> so your only exposure to the United States at that point was basically all-star games and a couple of television shows. Really, that was all of it. Uh, at my last year, I played second division um, basketball here in Holland because that was close enough to, to where I could combine it with school. Mm. Uh, my last year, my last couple of years, we did bring, uh, or the team brought in an American, um, oh. Brett Melton, as a matter of fact, I remember his name, because that was the first time I really spoke English with somebody that, that didn't speak anything but English. So mm. I remember that clearly. And of course, that was the other way around when I set foot in Louisiana. I was the only <laughs> one speaking Dutch and everybody else was speaking English. You know? How uh, how was your English at that point when you got to LSU? Well, I mean, pretty 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 decent. You okay. know, uh, it, you know the educational system here is, is uh, excellent. You know, different levels of high schools, and uh, you know, not to my own horn, but I went went to the highest level here, and you come away with decent English to begin with. But uh, surely, uh, I had no idea uh, about slang. Yes. Uh, no idea about uh, locker room talk. That, that the <laughs> first, uh, you know, three, four, five months, that, that went all over my head. I, I didn't know what was being said in the locker room. Well, that first season, you guys were a pretty good team uh, in the SEC. You uh, you guys were led by Mahmoud Abdul Raouf, who I believe it was still at the time was Chris Jackson. And uh, you never really broke into the rotation, only playing about eight minutes a game, posting a couple of points, a couple of rebounds. What was that season like for you? And uh, were there moments when you thought, maybe this isn't for me? No, never. Oh. No, let me start by, by the last part of your question. Never. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, Chris Jackson at that time, but uh, surely, uh, you know, he changed his name later to Mahmoud Abdul Yeah. But, um, you know, uh, Chris Chris and I came in at the same time, but we had established uh, veterans on the team, or seniors rather, uh, and, 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 and the boss man on that team was Ricky Blant. Mm. And, uh, you know, he had been there uh, for three years already and was starring not only in Baton Rouge, but in uh, all of Louisiana. And a good guy. I mean, a great guy. And uh, he took us a little bit under his wing and, uh, you know, 
showed us the ropes a little bit. And uh, other than that, we had also young guys that we gelled with, and they were, you know, very very open to the fact that uh, that another foreigner entered the team. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, over the years that I was there, we had several several foreign players from different countries because Coach Brown had these connections. And uh, no, it was not disheartening at all. I I, I you know I led the European Championships under 19 okay. uh, in scoring. And when I got there, I was just overpowered with all sorts of athletic ability that uh, I didn't possess at that time <laughs> and, and never really got to possess, to be honest. But, um, uh, you know, it was an adjustment. The same way we just talked about my son Shane readjusting to the European game, I certainly had to, to make that adjustment. Everything was completely different. In, 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 in all honesty, it was a different game. So, yeah. Yeah, I adjusted my first year, and then uh, if I would have been better or, or better adjusted, maybe I would have gotten more minutes, but uh, this was all fair. I mean, I wasn't ready at that time. So that next season, if I'm seeing this right, you didn't play during that 89-90 season. What happened there? Well, also my first year, um, you know, together with Chris Jackson, a, a certain uh, a guy by the name of uh, Stanley Roberts came mm-hmm. in uh, on my position. And um, I'm not even sure. I haven't heard that in years. But back then there was a, an NCAA rule that was called Prop 48. And, uh, you know, Stanley set out that first year. So he was eligible that second year. And, uh, you know, another guy came in yes. on that position. And uh, I looked at uh, the sky darkening. I mean, they were towering over me. <laughs> That's not really true. They were my height, but they were just much better. And, and in, 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 in talks with, with Coach Brown, it, it appeared to be uh, that, uh, you know, the, the eight minutes I had my freshman year wouldn't be available the, the sophomore year. So, uh, you know, in good cooperation, we decided to redshirt that second year. Okay, gotcha. I couldn't find uh, any real information on on that. It certainly yeah. makes sense, but you do get back for that that second year of basketball. And as you've alluded to, there was a, a fellow by the name of Shaquille <laughs> O'Neal on the roster. With uh, with Shaq around, you know, well, you had to know Shaq is going to get the lion's share of the minutes again. About eight minutes a night for you. Are you still keeping up your spirits at this point? Because this is, you know, you've been here for three years and you're still getting eight minutes a game. Well, Chris, as you, as you can imagine, this, you're not the first one to ask me that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a two way street, really. Uh, you know, playing not only on a team with Shaq, but playing the same position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's it's demoralizing playing against him, uh, you know, every two hours you're on the court, you're being destroyed, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, because we went, you know, purple and gold teams, the starters against the, 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 the coach Brown doesn't, doesn't call the, the bench players bench players, he calls mm-hmm. them reinforcements. So, gotcha. you know, it was me, me against Shaq all the time, yeah. all the time for the next, you know, three years. So, on one end, that's demoralizing. On the other hand, you know, I had to, uh, you know, seek other avenues of, of, of getting some rewards, meaning mm-hmm. I had to develop my game to, to get, you know, to make a bucket once, once a day. Yes. You know? And, uh, you know, I, I stepped out a little bit, developed a little bit of a jumper. That didn't happen overnight. That took about two years. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a two-way street. So. Was it demoralizing? No, I'm, I'm I'm a pretty positive guy. Never thought about uh, doing something different, transferring. You know, mm-hmm. 
nowadays people transfer as though uh, they buy in uh, new underwear. Yes. But back then it wasn't also not that popular. And 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 even if it was, I, I, it didn't cross my mind. I stayed and stuck it out. So amazingly, after he puts up 28 points, 15 rebounds, and five blocks a game, Shaq comes back for his junior season. And once again, you you were very consistent in terms of playtime that first year. About eight minutes again for you. Um, were you <laughs> like? I guess we just kind of talked about this to a degree, but let's expound a little bit. Were you ready for the big guy to head to the NBA at that point? It has to be tough for you. You know, Shaq comes back. You're a good. You're a better program. He leaves. There's a lot more playtime for you. Yes, um, but but uh, to be honest, I, I didn't expect him to leave. Hmm. Um, at that time, you know, people started to leave a little bit earlier, you know, go after, you know, maybe the sophomore year. I'm, I think the rules were different then, too. I think you could only leave after your sophomore year and not after your freshman year, but I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. But I, I I don't think anybody really at that point thought Shaq was leaving uh, early because, uh, you know, Shaq – we got to know Shaq as, as a teammate, of course, mm-hmm. uh, but we also got to know his family a little bit. And, you know, all that we heard and, and meeting uh, them and talking to them and uh, what we also read in the press was always that academics was very important to them. Right. And uh, not only to Shaq, but to his entire family. So I, I don't know what the other players thought about that, but <laughs> it didn't cross my mind that he would leave early without a degree. No, at that point, certainly not between the sophomore and junior year. Gotcha. So your senior year, the big fella's gone, and your Tigers don't miss a beat. Uh, you guys actually won more games than the year prior. Your minutes almost quadruple, and you end up averaging a double-double. That senior season has to be spectacular fun for you. Uh, I couldn't have put it any better. It was spectacular fun and, and you know, somewhat unexpected. Now, mind you, we didn't have bad players. I mean, yeah. it certainly was not only my doing that, that uh, we won another 20 games and we pretty much had a better record than, than the year before when we had Shaq. Uh, you know, we had, uh, you know, also seniors, yeah, uh, Maurice yeah. Williamson and, and, and Mike Hansen and uh, and good players, younger players coming up. Um, we, but but in the same token, when when Shaq that summer before my senior year announced his home to the NBA, um, you know, nobody really knew who was going to take that huge load of scoring that he had taken care of the three years before. Mm-hmm. And uh, certainly I didn't think at that time that I was going to be that guy. Uh, all I wanted to do was just play as well as I could. And, you know, um, it was really also, you know, from the coaching staff down, from Coach Brown and the assistant coaches down, the team spirit that, that, that we created. And uh, we won game one, two, and we kept winning. And we, we, we crossed that benchmark of 20 wins and went to the NCAA tournament again uh, without without the big fella. So now your time at LSU is over. You're heading towards the NBA draft. What were you doing to prepare for the, the, the draft that year? Nothing. Nothing? <laughs> it's a crazy story. I mean, if, if you guys, I mean, I'm sure you do and, and, and other people do as well. You know, with uh, with June, uh, late June coming around and the, cha- the, the draft coming up and, and, and there's so much hype and so many stories on the Internet and, and 
and green rooms and people being there and, and you know videos and uh-huh. none of that was 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 uh, the case in my uh, in my situation. I was home. Gotcha. I was home in Holland and still uh, you know this was 1993 and still no internet, no no mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah, I was at home with the time difference. I was uh, I knew the draft was going on. I had no indication that I was going to be drafted. Um, <laughs> Uh, myself and my best friend, you just stayed up. We stayed up, and we, I was in my parents' house at uh, four in the morning, and uh, because you know I was drafted to the late first round, mm. so that was not early in the evening in the United States. So we waited and waited, and uh, in all honesty, we had a beer with it. And uh, you know, if it happened, it happened. If it didn't happen, it didn't happen. And we were going to go to go to sleep. And uh, sure enough. Uh, about four or five in the morning, and you know, not exactly sure. I got a call from uh, John Gabriel from the Orlando Magic, and uh, you know, I was I was drafted. I, yeah. I wasn't even at that point sure if I was already drafted or he was telling me that <laughs> they were going to draft me. I had no way, uh, no way of following. Okay. Um, have you uh, have you gotten the video or seen the video uh, since then? Uh, which video? Just hearing your name called during the NBA draft. No, you've no, never I've never seen it. Really? I would never I would have it. that playing on a loop constantly in my house. <laughs> <laughs> on a big screen. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, like, no, I've never seen it. I've never seen it. Never. Uh, I can probably I can probably find you that if you if you'd like to see that. I would absolutely love to see that. I mean, in all honesty, you know, I was, uh, of course, very, very happy that I was drafted. Uh-huh. Uh, everybody that I wanted to tell was asleep. Um, so, uh, you know, I was I was just going to go to bed in the morning, you know, share it with my parents and, uh, and with friends like here in Holland. And then uh, also got in contact with people in the United States. And we took it from there. And then it went kind of fast. And I never thought about, you know. This is the first time I actually think about the fact that I've never seen it. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best to find that for you, and I'll I'll send it over to your email. Um, That'd be fun. So you do end up being picked by the Magic 26, and oh, there's a there's a real elephant in the room here. That's it's incredibly excited uh, exciting to be drafted, but you can't escape Shaquille O'Neal. He is uh, he is now the man in Orlando. Are you happy to be back with Shaq? Are you just happy to be drafted? Or is there any element at all of, man, I just did this? Um, Both, really. (laughs) I mean, uh, you know, Shaq and I are friends. Mm -hmm. um, So at no point did I think, man, I'm going to, you know, have to fight him again day in and day out. But um, I was happy to be drafted. Mm-hmm. Now, now, mind you, that that in that same draft, Orlando picked um, Benny Hardaway, you know, mm-hmm. first or third, depending on how you look at it, because there was a draft day trade with uh, Chris Webber, I believe. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was the very, very last year in the collective bargaining agreement uh, where first round draft picks did not have to be offered a guaranteed contract. Oh, the next year, with Brooks Thompson being drafted in the first round, he got a three-year guaranteed deal. I did not. That was the very last year that MBH did not have to do that. So that in combination with the fact that they also drafted Penny Hardaway for in the first round, um, you know, we started talking a little bit. And uh, again, in, in, in good uh, cooperation and good talks, 
um, we decided that after just one year playing really at LSU, maybe it was better to go one year overseas and before joining the Magic. So after I was drafted, I went to Italy first and played there a year and then came back uh, to join the Magic and, uh, and Shaq. Interesting. The internet does not seem to know that. So that's a, that's a good fact for everyone. <laughs> I had no idea about that. Um, yeah. So that your first year, when you do get back in Orlando, you know, unfortunately you don't really get much play time. It's uh, I'm sure you were used to this. This is, this feels like the first two years of your career all over again. Well, the middle two mm -hmm. years, I suppose. And um, what was that first year in the NBA like for you? Um, exciting, and mm. I'll tell you why. But both, both on the court in practice and in the games. Although I saw limited minutes, of course, uh, very limited minutes. Mm. Uh, but that was super exciting. I mean, um, uh, you know, the, the talent level was just off the charts. And, and back then, the rules were a little different, and it was much more of a uh, basketball. NBA basketball was much more of a contact sport back then. Yes. And, uh, you know, guys were big and muscular and, and, and there was a fight inside the lane. Mm -hmm. Now that has been all eliminated, of course, and, and it's become a guard game more than a big man game. And, uh, you know, that was the exciting part. But more so, um, uh, you know, I've seen uh, quite a bit of, of uh, what, what programs do aside from the court at a, at a uh, you know, high-level program as, as LSU is. But... In the NBA, they they they, they top that twice over. Yeah, I mean, everything around uh, what happens on the court is just uh, you know taken care of to, to, to the max. I mean, the locker room, the travel, uh, you know, the housing, the cars—it's mm -hmm. just amazing. The the the, the press uh, um, attention that you get—it's just—it's just all a different level. So. Although I didn't play much, um, you know, it was still a super, super exciting year that first year. So you touched on something that I've uh, sort of complained about quite a bit, and that is the, the evolution of how the NBA game is played over the last 20 years. And, you know, the, the story I always tell is I grew up watching those, those triple headers on NBC and, you know, Michael and Magic and Larry and Isaiah Thomas and, uh, you know, the Pacers and, and whoever. And those, those big guys who were so fun to watch, even if, you know, they weren't asked to be the most skilled people, the, the Charles Oakley's, the Antonio Davis's, the Dale Davis's, the Dennis Rodman's, that kind of player that's gone from the NBA today. What, what do you think? Is this for the better or should it have stayed the same? Well, I, I don't particularly like it, and and I think uh, you know this is some some circle, you know, so some fashion thing that that, that will come back. It will mm. refer to the big big, big men uh, again, you know. Um, it had to do with the rule changes, of course, uh, yeah. no more hand checking, uh, you know, the hash marks, no help side defense, no no, and then uh, the defensive three second rule, all of that stuff. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, it makes it exciting if you, if you like, uh, you know, skinnier, faster guys <laughs> being fast and skinny <laughs> and dunking the ball. Yeah, uh, if you like that, okay, then then uh, then then that's certainly a good thing. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's all about speed and quickness and ball handling and shooting right now. And I miss a little bit the battles inside. I mean, back then. 
uh, you know, in 88, sorry, in 93 to the late uh, 90s, mm-hmm. you know, every NBA team had at least five, six guys, uh, you know, uh, uh, taller than 6'10", and, and at least, uh, you know, 250 pounds. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, these guys, you can't, maybe there's only five in the entire NBA. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a different game. And, uh, you know, you would almost argue that, that all that fighting and the, the battles inside would leave people hurt all the time, but you know, I don't have a study on this, but every uh, playoffs now in, in, in the 2010s, you know, it appears that during the playoffs, key players, but a lot of players are hurt because everybody is just skinnier, yeah. quicker, faster, not as strong. And, uh, you know, in the end, somebody, I, you know, I don't know if it will be one year or five years, but I suspect that somebody, uh, some team will counter this by uh, by heavy, strong, agile dudes again that just you know house and bang people inside and mm-hmm. and get to the ring. Yeah, I don't I don't like guards being able to go to the basket and not being wor- uh, you know worrying about being put on their butt. Yeah, it's it's it, I miss a little bit the uh, the venom. Uh, yeah, I mean that in in a positive sense. The venom uh, and 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 again, also what I'm going to say now, I mean that in a positive sense. Mm-hmm. The meanness in 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 Charles Oakley. I mean that was just beautiful to watch. Uh, the meanness in a Bill Lambeer. The, yeah. the the meanness in in the Shack also. Uh, you know, I mean that who 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 is like that now? And 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 if you if you would name somebody in today's NBA. That's the meanest guy or the toughest guy in the NBA. I, I, I don't think he would uh, he would be noticed uh, twenty years ago. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm a I'm a fan of the 76ers, and we've got big Joel Embiid, who is seven foot two and probably listed at two fifty. But let's be realistic; he's probably two eighty, two eighty five, and he's you know su- incredibly talented. And I'm thrilled to have him on the team. But he's shooting six threes a game some days. That would not have happened when you played. Now, now let me let me tell you something. The six six guys that were on every NBA team back then, his height and his size, mm-hmm. they could not do any of the things that he's doing right now. None of them could shoot a three pointer. Uh, none of them uh, could do the you know I saw I just saw yesterday or the day before the crossovers from outside the three point mm-hmm. line, line and then crossover and spin and, and get to the rim. None of us back then could do that. But uh, you know certainly, uh, and he has the sort of body where you could put him in a post every time and, and either he's going to score or he's going to draw a double team and he could pass it out because he's super skilled. But, you know, I'd rather see him, uh, you know, 80% in the post as opposed to, you know, crossing people over in a three-point line. Yes, yes. I get I get scared every time he does that pump fake at, for three and then drives wildly to the basket and ends up on the ground and I have a little heart attack until he gets back up. It's uh, it's rough, but you know, it's just interesting how many players who we would consider stars in the NBA in the '80s and the '90s just wouldn't have a job right now. Look at your fellow countryman, Big Rick Smiths. I don't know how Rick would fit into today's NBA. Yeah, and and then uh, you know, Rick Smith at at seven four uh, was incredibly agile and and skilled. For his uh, size, certainly, and but also for that uh, at that time in the NBA, uh, that's you know his his turnaround jumper, his his jump hook, and, and also his his ability to uh, to run the fast break at, at seven four was uh, was amazing, and and that 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 combination got him 
uh, most are not. I think one or two times, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think maybe he would be able, uh, you know, to do what he did then in today's NBA. But uh, guys that are less agile, less uh, coordinated, and, and and have less of a shooting touch than as Rick Smith had. They won't have a chance in today's NBA, correct? Okay, so maybe it's more fair to say that applies to a guy like uh, Mark Eaton than Rick Smith's. Oh, no chance. No <laughs> chance. I mean, that's a, good, that's a good example. Every team had two or three Mark Eatons. Maybe not quite that size because he was just, you know, uh, extraordinarily tall and, and big. But, yeah. but uh, that sort of player, uh, or the, for, for, for me, on, on the Orlando Magic, if you, if you look at it, we had a, a Greg Kite no, mm-hmm. uh, in today's NBA, no chance. Um, John Conkak, no chance. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that was just uh, the Orlando Magic that went to the finals, yes. I mean, it was not a, a, a bottom-of-the-league sort of team. We went to the finals and lost, unfortunately, to the Houston Rockets. But that team was stacked with big guys that had a role, and that role was fight and rebound. And uh, if you can score, you can score. But uh, these guys have no – that, that, that is a, a, has been a dying breed. It doesn't exist mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. Extinct. So, 94, maybe you didn't get as much time as you want, but it wasn't all bad. It did see the birth of Gert Hammack, the movie star. You had a role in uh, the movie Blue Chips. <laughs> and uh, that's a movie wow. I love, by the way. Bob Cousy is, had a cameo in that. He is my all-time favorite basketball player. He is a national treasure. Uh, you were uh, in mm-hmm. the film alongside your teammates Shaquille O'Neal and, and Anthony Penny Hardaway. How did that come about? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, obviously Shaq had something to do with it, but mm-hmm. more so his uh, his uh, I don't I don't know what his title was exactly, but his personal assistant uh, Dennis Tracy, uh, you know, who was also a teammate uh, of ours at LSU. Uh, he gave me a call and said, uh, you know, get on the next plane to North Carolina and uh, we're shooting a movie. I said, okay. okay, let's do this, and that was certainly an experience. I, mean, I have to tell you. And, okay, so you were on the Indiana team in Blue Chips, along yes. with uh, guys like Bobby Hurley and Keith Smart and Greg Graham. What was uh, Bobby is obviously one of the more accomplished NBA, uh, sorry, college players of all time. What was uh, Bobby like during filming? Uh, are you talking about Bobby Knight or Bobby Bo- Hurley? You know what? Both of those are very good questions. I would like to hear the answer to both of those. <laughs> well, hey. Uh, of course, Coach Knight, I had seen a uh, hundred times on TV before. And yeah. I know that uh, Coach Knight and Coach Brown had a couple of feuds in, in the past. And <laughs> I was just looking forward to meeting the guy and uh, certainly a, a college legend. And, uh, you know, the, the funny thing was that uh, everything that he did and said did not make the movie uh, <laughs> <laughs> for, for obvious reasons. Right. But the, the guy uh, combined a, a sense of humor and, and an intensity that was uh, that was fun to watch. I mean, <clears throat> you know, he, he he didn't become one of college uh, best coaches, you know, uh, you know, being soft. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he and, and that shined through even when we're just shooting a movie uh, during timeouts. All of a sudden, you know, he he uh, he lashed out at somebody or <laughs> and then laughed it off a little bit. It was it was um, interesting to see. Now the other Bobby, uh, Bobby Hurley. 
you know, I'd met him before because we played uh, on Hawaii against uh, Duke. And, mm. uh, you know, I was just amazed at that time how little and skinny he was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, then really, then really, we, we, after shooting the movie or the scenes, uh, we did hang out with a bunch of guys and also with Nick Nolte. Mm-hmm. We went to a couple of places and okay. uh, I don't remember Bobby Hurley coming with us, so don't know him personally. Okay. What was Nick Nolte like? Because that is an, that's an interesting guy. He, yes. Um, <laughs> certainly an interesting guy. So Dennis Tracy, who I uh, referred to earlier, said, uh, "Come on, uh, go in the hotel. We're, we're going to have a you know, we're going out on the town, uh, sure. drink or whatever. You know, chill, chill." Uh, although that term didn't exist back then. Sure. And uh, <clears throat> so I, I believe, and I, I'm not really sure, but I believe we had a limo, and then we went to a different hotel and picked up uh, Nick Nolte. He came out, and certainly he's uh, you know. A different sort of guy, but mm-hmm. super friendly. But he came out in, uh, in um, you know, hair unkempt, not done, yeah. fine. I, I'd like to go out like that too. But he came out in a sort of faded, uh, uh, sporting, you know, jogging ensemble that, okay. that seemed to have been washed maybe 200 times with spots <laughs> on it, and it was crazy looking. So, you go into this bar, and then you know I've been uh, at that time I've been around Shaq and 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 the hype that uh, that a basketball player creates, yeah. and to get with Penny Hardaway and Shaq on the road it was crazy. Believe me, every city we went to. But mm-hmm. um, you know then we walk into a club with Nick Nolte, and uh, it's, it's I'm not saying it's it's more crazy, a different sort of crazy. It was uh, you know it didn't take him long to 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 get a taxi home. It, you know <laughs> it was tiresome to him. So uh, basically, Nick Nolte is everything people would think Nick Nolte is. Yeah, but I like it. I, I like that. You know, uh, I've been around, I've been around. That's uh, too, too big of a term, but I've seen a lot, a lot of famous people. You know, uh-huh. uh, Universal Studios is in Orlando, of course, so at our games. A lot, a lot of famous people, movie stars. Uh, music artists would come to the game. I've seen a lot of them. Shook hands with a lot, a lot of them, and. Um, you know, a lot, of, and you can't help getting caught up in that, being mm-hmm. that famous. Luckily, I've never been that famous, yeah? Mm-hmm. But uh, I appreciate the fact that Nick Nolte did not, uh, you know, uh, bow to the bar. Sure. <laughs> he, he, I think he just stayed himself, and I appreciated that. I was a little surprised and taken aback by the fact. You know, at that time, I didn't know that he was like that. But, uh, yeah, I appreciate that sort of stuff. Was there anybody that you've met over, uh, you know, the, your time in in America or whenever that you were just really, really intimidated by, uh, really impressed by? I shook uh, Ronald Reagan's hand once. Oh wow, that is uh, definitely impressive. Yeah, wow, that you is can't, definitely yeah. impressive. You can't do better than uh, yeah, a president. I mean, yeah, exactly. And I met Bill Clinton as well, but that was after uh, that was here in Europe. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, uh, I, uh, that was certainly impressive. And strangely enough, and I may put off a lot of the young uh, listeners, but uh, I was also impressed uh, meeting Metallica hmm. three times, as a matter of fact. The first, oh, yeah. first time was by accident. We were on the road in Tennessee. And uh, my roommate and teammate, uh, Richard Kujewski, uh, we, we just come off the bus after practice, stepped in an elevator, and 
be in the elevator with Metallica. I'm like, what <laughs> is going on here? And, you know, we're seven footers and they are musicians. Yeah. <laughs> so that was different. And then later, uh, you know, I'm at uh, two concerts as well. So uh, not, not that they, if, if you would ask them, do you know who Gerd Hammick is? They would have no idea. But I know, I know who they are. So that was very impressive to me. But you know, guys come through the arenas all the time. Certainly in a, in a, uh, in Orlando again, yeah. where 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 there's a movie studio, like from from uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger to you know music artist, uh, so Stallone. Uh, I don't know everybody. Nice. You've uh, you've lived an interesting life from a for a kid from the Netherlands. It's not been boring. No. <laughs> uh, so let's get uh, actually one one last thing about the movie. How long were you on set? Jeez, three days maybe. Okay, so it wasn't they, a long wanted, process. And, and they wanted, no, it wasn't a long process. I came there, and the first, the first, right off the plane, well, actually a plane and, and taxi. I was pulled out of the taxi straight into a. Uh, I'm not even know the, the, the term of, of that. But what to do makeup and all that stuff and okay, yeah, cut yeah. my hair. I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> wasn't happy about that, but uh, you know what? I appreciate about that that blockbuster. Um, that I was involved in. Yeah. The fact that they made the, the basketball authentic. Yeah. You know, there's so yeah. many basketball movies where, where it's just cringeworthy to watch the basketball parts. And, uh, you know, this this movie at least got the basketball part right. Right. Using actual basketball players instead of uh, some 22-year-old kid who just starred in a vampire movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, 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 of course, you, you weigh the pros and cons in this. I mean, the basketball is good, but then you know maybe maybe the acting part at, at places is not up to par. But mm-hmm. in other movies, you know, maybe the acting is better, but the basketball is just. Whew, <laughs> how uh, how many times have you seen Blue Chips in your lifetime? Um, well, that's a not that many times. Maybe uh, three times. I saw when it came out, of course, and uh-huh. I wanted to see it. And then uh, my mother-in-law uh, got it for me maybe a couple of years ago when I was <laughs> visiting her to get it with my wife, of course, in the States. Uh-huh. And then we brought it back, and of course, that DVD didn't play here. And okay, I haven't seen it that many times. You're a, you're but a I'm, better I'm, man I'm than a me. lot skinnier now and, and a lot less hair. <laughs> yeah, you're you're a better man than me. That would, uh, that would go on the... the looped video right after me being drafted and just every one of my scenes yeah. and just you casually on your wall, one plane, yeah, one that's actually a better idea the... that's a better yeah. idea yeah. i'm gonna just, have to do that in retrospect just casually bring it up anytime somebody comes to the house oh yes i i was in a movie thanks for asking <laughs> that would be a yeah yeah you've had an interesting life so all right back to the magic uh another season and a half but you never really got that consistent playtime, and you ended up being waived in December of '96. What was uh, what was your reaction when you found out Orlando was going to waive you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, it, it's come up a couple of times already in this uh, story, but uh, I think that's a, uh, a thing that Dutch people have genetically. Uh, <laughs> we don't get too excited, not too upset, not too uh, you know, nothing. So. You know, was, you say around December, and was I think right, right at Christmas. So it was a little yeah. bit of a, a Christmas present. I was called in. I, as, as a matter of fact, I was walking towards the game. We had a game oh. at night, and uh, I parked my car. Was walking in the arena, and somebody uh, asked me to go upstairs, uh, and I was told right before the game. 
and uh, had no indication that was going to happen. Uh, of course, it's a business, and if if you don't play a whole lot of minutes, uh, it's it's maybe a logical uh, um, yeah, yeah. response to to that. So, but you know, I was, I was at the arena, and I was called upstairs, and and uh, they told me in the nicest possible way uh, when when it's, so I went downstairs in the locker room. And uh, all the guys were there and changing. They also didn't know. And I told them, and I didn't have to change. And I don't think, I don't remember, but I don't think I watched the game, went home, and told the family. Yeah. So before we leave the Orlando Magic, you know, everybody loves Shaq. Do you have a Shaq story you can tell? <laughs> I have so many Shaq stories. I, well, <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I have so many Shaq stories, but you asked me that I can't tell. I, uh, I can't tell him at all. So, you know, when uh, I've, I've had the the good fortune to talk to a lot of players who have been in the NBA, and three people come up in terms of being great teammates consistently. It's Chris Webber, that's Grant Hill, and that's Shaquille O'Neal. Did he live up to all of that hype? Was he the teammate that everybody makes him out to be? Uh, I mean, Shaq may get on the plane and come visit me uh, here in, in Holland and, uh, wow. and, 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 and pop me one across the cheek or in the chin. I don't know. But uh, in the early years, I didn't think he was the, the easiest of teammates. Okay. Um, you know, uh, I mean, he was super, super driven and... and you know, as far as I've been around super superstars, which Chef, of course, is and was, um, uh, I think they had that extra. You know, that that, that thing that uh, that uh, us mere mere mortals uh, mm-hmm. do not possess, and, and therefore we cannot reach those heights. And and that 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 extreme drivenness. I don't even know if that's an English word, that's but uh, it, it it gets to be annoying at times too, especially if you're the, the, the you know at, at the bad end of that. Yeah. In in practices and and locker rooms, et cetera, et cetera. But you know he was super young. You forget sometimes that uh, that he came to LSU as a 17 year old. I yeah. remember. He, he couldn't, you know, Louisiana was one of the states where, he, where, where there was, you know, drinking age was 18, but he mm-hmm. couldn't go. He couldn't go out with us. Mm-hmm. And I remember even his last year, we had the, the game against UNLV, and, and he he couldn't even, you know, get off the the, the beaten path from the front door <laughs> to the elevator in the casinos. You know, it's, it was forget how young he was because so dominant and big that he was only 21 years old. And, and I'm not trying to, you know, bring up any excuses for a guy that that can do that for himself. But uh, with the sort of success and attention that he had at that time, I think it would be difficult for anybody to, uh, to you know, not be a pain in the ass. At yeah. times, you know, and uh, he, he certainly was. And uh, I believe <laughs> that uh, that uh, the older he got, the less the lesser that uh, that became. Because. You know, you do not win that many championships, and, and uh, you know it, it, it takes a, a, a chemistry within a team, not just one or two guys that can play basketball to win championships. So he certainly, you know, although I wasn't around him anymore, certainly not on the basketball courts. He must mm-hmm. have, uh, you know, gotten older and wiser, like we all are. You know? Yeah, that's fair, and that's an interesting perspective because when I've talked to other people, that was kind of later in his career, Shaq, and you were there for the embryonic stages of uh, Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, and, you know, I, I have to put a little asterisk there from, from uh, what I all just said. 
because I said, uh, you know, I mean, he was maybe difficult at times, uh, but always a good guy, super, super funny. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I said, uh, you know, it needed chemistry and uh, that, that, that insinuates that it wasn't there. And, of course, that was not the case because, like I said earlier, we made it to the finals mm-hmm. and uh, with a super, super young team with two superstars that, that were not even 22 yet. Yeah. And, and Penny Hardaway and, and Shaquille. Or they were three, I don't know, something yeah. super young. Yeah, so we're going we're gonna to leave Shaq after this question, but uh, I think I have to ask this. This is my, Actually, my girlfriend brought this up last night, and I thought, man, this is a great question. Have you heard any of his albums, and what do you think of them? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I cannot listen to... I already mentioned Metallica. Yeah. Along, you know, the same but almost as President Reagan. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that tells you what, what kind of musical genre I lean towards. Sure. I, I think all of that stuff is, uh, you know, not not worth listening to. All of it. Oh. Oh. Including Shaq's music. I would say especially <laughs> Shaq's music, to be honest. <laughs> it's bad, eh? <laughs> it yeah, I, I don't listen to, to uh, I don't know what you qualify that is. What is that? Rap That's rap. Yeah, uh, rap, hip-hop, same okay. thing. Yeah, I don't listen to that stuff. Yeah, I, I remember, though, that when my kids grew up a little bit, um, you know, they, uh, they uh, you know, you can't, you can't escape uh, kids uh, having a hip-hop or rap phase. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, with the connection, and they were young. Because Shaq, of course, with the, uh, with the uh, sponsor hype and, and, and the other money that he made next to basketball, had the clean sort of rap then, I suppose. Yes. And, uh you know, because my kids knew I played with Shaq and uh, gotten into the, 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 the rap or hip-hop at age, I don't know, eight, nine, something like that. Sure. Uh, I, I believe that I was put through, uh, through the torture of having to <laughs> play in a car one time. Yeah. Uh, I will tell you a quick personal story. So that came out, I don't know, got 20 years ago now. And... Uh, to the uh, first of all, we bought the CD immediately because it was amazing in the most terrible way possible. And uh, to this day, one of my closest friends and I will still text links to like YouTube videos of Shaq songs to each other just just for fun. It was well, it was I mean, that I'm, bad. I'm afraid that I'm talking. We, you and I don't know each other. Yeah, but this first time we talk, we have yes. exchanged a couple of emails. But if you do that, I'm afraid that even in 2017, you sneakily or maybe in front of everybody still listen to hip hop and rap. I know. It, it doesn't bother me, but but Shaq's rap no, bothers no. me. <laughs> Let's put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. Well, for the both of us, uh, that he never hears this podcast. Then, yeah? Well, I will. I would. It would be a real real boon for me if he did hear this podcast if i uh, somehow managed to speak to him on it one day but i i don't anticipate that happening and, and you know what we already discussed the fact that Shaq's getting older as well and uh he'd be the first to admit that it was not very good that that's that's I, he, he is very self-confident though so i'm not i'm not sure if that's true it's a good description he doesn't lack <laughs> any confidence <laughs> Uh, so after the Magic, you catch on with the Warriors later that season, and uh, you end up signing with them for the rest of the year. But again, you know, playtime is kind of sparse. After that third year, did you know you're ready to move on from the NBA, or you know, was it more of a forced retirement kind of thing? No, it's an interesting, uh, uh, 
your question, as a matter of fact, I do not believe that many uh, American journalists know this. But um, you know, I, I got there first. I went to the CBA, you know, the the mm. the, 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 the MBDL of old days or the yeah. League of old days. Yeah, and um, I was there a month in Omaha, Nebraska. Played okay. pretty well, and uh, uh, went to a game and. Uh, the management of the Omaha Racers knew that an NBA uh, team wanted to call me up for a month. And, okay. Uh, but they wanted to tell me after the game. In the game, I sprained my ankle something bad. Oh. So I was out for a month. After the game, they told me that uh, the Indiana Pacers wanted to call me up. So I would have possibly be paired up with Rick Smith. And oh. One flying Dutchman, one, one stranded Dutchman, and one team. And... Um, <laughs> But I was out for a month and then recovered, and I played another month, and then the Warriors uh, called me up. But to, to come to your question, I played there, I think, two and a half months, three months, towards the end of the season. And in 1996, a very, very important uh, rule change was brought about in European basketball. And that is why I left the NBA, kind of. Okay. It, it's it's super long story. It's complicated, but in, in, in short, it means it's called the Bosman rule. It means that uh, at that time, that uh, because there was free trade within the European Union, that also uh, uh, people uh, were mm. subject to free trade. So that would mean that a Dutch person could play as a Greek in Greece, and that a Spanish person would be able to play as a German in Germany. That opened the market for uh, you know smaller basketball countries like uh, Holland and, and its citizens and. You know, I uh, at that point in time I got offers from 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 big European clubs because mm-hmm. um, I wasn't a foreigner anymore. I was now toward to the rules. I was one of their homegrown guys, right. and that kind of played in the think of it uh, in the in, in the running of that summer from uh, of '96. There were some teams, uh, NBA teams, with initial interest, but uh, that probably would have been a partial guarantee, or uh, you know. Not really sure how that would have panned out, but uh, at that point, it, it chose to go back and play uh, basketball in Europe. Yeah, that that stinks about the the ankle injury. How, you know, how well did you know Rick prior to that? Well, in general. Well, before I went to LSU, Rick Rick uh, 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 got on the phone with me to explain about Marist College. Uh, they okay. were one of the twenty-five or uh, some odd schools that uh, that recruited me. So did I know him very well? No, uh, I knew of him. And uh, the f- funny thing is, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, last year my son, who we discussed already, mm-hmm. and Rick's son played played together at Valpo. Oh, I did not know that. I guess I did know that. Yeah, Roland Smith, right? No, Derek. It... Derek. Oh, Smith. Derek. 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 Okay. Okay. I guess where's Derek Roland? Smith is now uh, going into his uh, well, it's his third year there, but in his uh, sophomore year because he got hurt the first year and, and I guess I guess got a medical redshirt, so he's still there. But it's an interesting, uh, you know, trivia question. That, uh, two Dutch ex NBA players had sons play together at which school? Yeah, that is. It's a it, it's a very small world, apparently. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Interesting. Okay, so. I did a little checking after I said that, and I, I guess I just always assumed that Roland Smits, who was a prospect for the draft a couple years ago, was Rick Smith's kid, but he is not. So I'm learning quite no, a bit talking from, to you. Yeah, Lat- yeah. He's from Latvia, he's from, apparently. Yeah, Baltic. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I was in the Baltic country. He's Latvia. He's Latvian, yes. Oh, well, that's uh, good to know. All right, so 
you know, the NBA is over for you, but you still had a lot of basketball left to be played. Eight years of international basketball, I believe. And that first year, like you said, was uh, was in the Greek Basketball League. What was the move to Greece like for you? Well, as much as uh, as it is uh, as it was a culture shock, which we discussed uh, about half an hour ago, from me going to from Holland to the United States was the mm-hmm. other way around as well. Um, you know, mind you that before the two years of NBA, or two and a half years of NBA, I, uh, Orlando Magic and I agreed that I was going to go to Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was there a year in Italy, and then. Um, that was a little different because I was a little spoiled by everything that is LSU. And then you get a pro basketball, you think that's similar or better, but it's, yeah. it's not necessarily so. The gyms and the housing and the traveling is completely different. So the, the move to Greece was not as as, uh, as different because it was similar to uh, to uh, my Italian uh, adventure. And uh, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm I mean I'm that sort of person that likes different countries and adjusts within a week, and uh, mm-hmm. I loved it there. I still love Greece. I played there three years. Like the people, like their passion for things, like their passion for sports. You know, uh, that passion gets them in trouble sometimes. As, yeah. as the entire country is bankrupt, but that is a side <laughs> story. And uh, you know, I, I loved it there my three years. And uh, okay, from there went to. Uh, Spain for a minute, and then uh, to Germany for oh, three years, then back to Greece, and uh, yeah, then back to Germany, and then retired. Interesting. The, see, the internet does not know a lot about you, Gert. We didn't know about this initial trip to Italy. I didn't know about the CBA trip. I did not know about the time in Spain. We need to get. Uh, we need to update your Wikipedia page. That that is. Uh, I think everybody can do that. I refuse to do that though because no. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> suggesting you should. That feels very self-important if you do it yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I'm going to do that. No. <laughs> but uh, so you no, went from Spanish, Spanish, Spanish year, not even a year. I went from first year Greece. I went to to uh, to Spain. I was there with under Scariolo, a super, super good coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it didn't really work out. So I stayed there only one month before I went to Berlin and mm-hmm. right there for the three years after. So, uh, so that's, uh, my, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm explaining that is it doesn't surprise me that it doesn't show up in many places. Yeah. Well, it's, it's usually pretty thorough, but you went, from, you went from living in Orlando and Oakland to Athens. It feels like you really, really stepped up there, right? Stepped up there? Uh, in, in terms of the quality. Like, like, well, no, I mean, uh, and Athens is incredible and, you know. I live just outside Oakland now, about 10 miles outside, and it's not the best place in the world. Oh, well, I mean, I, I must make the differentiation between uh, living in Oakland and living in Oakland as a uh, Golden State Warriors player. Sure. I think there's a difference. That's so, true. I didn't see much of the... Uh, of what I heard about also that, uh, yeah, I think that, that has changed over the past 20, 25 years. But uh, back then, Oakland, uh, they said, be, be, you know, maybe maybe be careful there. And, yes. and sure, uh, the Warriors put me in a hotel first because I was there on 10 days. And uh, they gave me a car to drive around. And, uh, you know, as, as uh, top athletes do, they eat healthily all the time. So I went to McDonald's and... <laughs> I thought of it. I had never seen this, not in Louisiana, not in any other place. But uh, I ordered maybe three burgers, and t- they had to hand it to me uh, separately, sideways, through the bars of the drive-thru. I'd never seen that before. 
Wow. Yeah, that's uh, – I've never yeah. seen it quite that bad, but I think it's safe to say that Oakland is still a place where you should be careful. That's a – sum up Oakland like that. I don't know. Uh, okay, so what was life after basketball? Yeah, but back to Athens. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Athens is just a beautiful city. It's, you know, I'm going to say maybe I've been back many, many times because, like I said, I, I like uh, Greece in, in general and I like Athens. But I think they have cleaned it up. They cleaned it up. I, I say I think. I know for a fact they have cleaned it up a lot um, in, in, uh, in preparation for the, uh, for the Olympics. Mm-hmm. They had their, about, right. you know, uh, a dozen years ago, and uh, and everything is a lot, lot better in the sense of infrastructure and uh, and uh, and streetwise, roadwise, travelwise. I mean, mm-hmm. when I was there at first, before the Olympics, way before the Olympics, it was super congested. I mean, mm-hmm. it was it was crazy. I mean, getting uh, sometimes to practice, which is uh, at, in the middle of the night when there's no traffic, maybe eight minutes. Sometimes it would take you 50 minutes. It was crazy, wow. crazy, crazy. Getting to the airport, I mean, it was an oh. adventure. Yes. But it's all much, much better now. And even then, in, the, in all that chaos that was Athens back then, hey, I loved it, like I said. Absolutely. What, what did life after basketball look like for you? What, were you? what were you doing with your free time? I don't have any free time. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm one, because I choose not to. Mm-hmm. I... Uh, I, I'm not one that sits on the couch and watches TV. I, I, uh, if I say I don't ever do that, it's an exaggeration. But sure. uh, if uh, on a monthly basis, I'll probably sit in front of TV an hour. So yeah. uh, uh, I don't watch TV, really. Um, I'd like to stay busy. I you know, help uh, professional players uh, as an agent. I do clinics at schools. I uh, do TV commentating, basketball-wise, sports commentating. I do all sorts of things, but remain very, very busy. Very nice. All right, so I've taken up a lot of your time. I'm going to play a, play a quick word association game, and uh, we'll get out of here. I'm going to give you some player names. And I would ask you to give me the first thing that comes to mind when I mention each person. It doesn't have to be one word or anything like that. Just your first thoughts. Let's uh, let's start with Mahmoud Abdul Rauf. Quick. How about uh, Big Shaq Diesel? Um, getting dunked on. <laughs> uh, Nick Anderson. This is a little bit of a longer answer. You know, Nick Anderson is uh, one of the great, I mean, one of the greater teammates I had with the Orlando Magic, although we never had a whole lot of interaction. But Mm. when when it needed to be, he was always one of the first to say what was important for the guy that was receiving his comments. And and my my, uh, thing, for example, I mean, the first time, I came in uh, to the Orlando Magic. It was after the Italian season was over, and they were preparing for the playoffs. There were only two regular season games left. Mm-hmm. And, and I walked in coming from uh, maybe from a taxi. I don't know. From, from, I don't know. I walked sure. in, and he walked off the, off the court and, and, you know, said hello to me. Welcome to the Orlando Magic. I was, like, I was kind of blown away, and he did that several times in, in similar situations. I think he's a great, great guy, and uh, he'd be quiet, maybe a little introverted, but... Uh, teammate how about penny hardaway possibly the most talented basketball player i've ever been around yeah 
Yeah, it's a, it's a shame he had the injuries he did because the path he was on was incredible. This guy, I mean, what he did is just not only in games, but what was for everybody to see, but in practices and just pickup games in the summer, it was just, I mean, off the charts crazy. Yeah. Dennis Scott. Foots. How about a future NBA? That, that, that oh, sorry. That, wait, wait. That, that doesn't demand an explanation? I, I just assumed <laughs> that that I was mean, where you wanted to stop, but I would love to hear why. <laughs> no, okay. Uh, I mean, I think uh, at one point, you know, people started calling that he has just huge feet. Okay. I mean, his feet are just huge, and everybody started calling Foots. All right. All right. Well, that's a, a very interesting piece of information I would have never known otherwise. So thank you for sharing that with everybody. And the explanation. Yeah. Uh, how about future NBA head coach Scott Skiles? Uh, I, I can't really say anything about him. He wasn't there when I was there. Oh, okay. I didn't. Sorry, I didn't realize you didn't cross over. Um, no, wait. Well, you, you're right. Wait, wait a minute. You know, that first year when I came from, I was with him maybe two games. You know, okay. the last two games of regular season, you know, and I was just lost. You know, my eyes were as big as I, I can barely recollect what happened that year yeah. last month. Season. So I don't really know him, All to right. tell you the truth. And, and if that's the case with any of these other guys, so be it. But uh, how about Daryl Armstrong? That's a oh, nicest guy to have on the team. And, you know, how, how do I formulate that? Mm-hmm. Um, worth of respect. I mean, he came from, he worked his way up. Yeah? I mm-hmm. mean, he came in the state itself, even when he became, you know, popular, a popular player um, uh, in the crowd and in the Orlando area. Uh, I mean, Super, super down-to-earth uh, guy that just fought for everything that he was worth. So just a good, good man. Yes, absolutely. Uh, how about one Brian Shaw? Uh, you know, uh, chill. You know, I, I use the word chill because we <laughs> used it early, early in a podcast. Back then, we would have never used that word. It didn't exist, I believe. Okay. And uh, but he was so laid back, this guy. So uh, super laid back. Um, always easy to be around. Funny uh, also. That's interesting. W- would you, given that attitude, are you a little bit surprised he ended up being a head coach? Uh, uh, no, because uh, one doesn't exclude the other. I believe. I mean, I also think. Uh, uh, maybe I don't know him personally, but I also think Steve Kerr is somewhat laid back. Yeah. Uh, but, but don't 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 mistake my my late uh, typecast as as unintelligent. So just uh, Brian right. is uh, is super super smart and and knew the game better than anybody else. Right. Uh, how about Horace Grant? And uh, Horace Grant. <laughs> uh, lots of lots of lots of fun off the court. <laughs> Interesting. You know, he is just a generous sort of guy. Every time, even you know, we go out with him, and uh, and or even when I wasn't playing, I ran into him. As a matter of fact, two or three years after I was cut from from the Orlando Magic, I was there 
or summer camp that was invited. And, uh, you know, I, I go to uh, some sort of a club with uh, brought somebody with me. And uh, at the door, the guy says, are you here for a horse's party? <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> and uh, I, I didn't know about it. And the horse didn't even know I was in town. So I, I come upstairs and, uh, you know, to, to the VIP area. And he was, uh, one, surprised and, and couldn't be more friendly. I mean, you know. Superstar to a, to a you know end of the bench barely playing sort of guy that see each other again after two and a half years. Very nice. Well, and I've got a couple of Warriors on this list too because this Warriors team, you know, I was I was born in California and sort of grew up you know closer to Sacramento, but you know you don't really understand geography when you're a child, and uh, and I grew up a Warriors fan because you know that was the the Chris Hardaway uh, Tim Hardaway Chris Mullen days, and uh, you played mm-hmm. with Tim Hardaway. Mm, you know that that whole three months, two and a half months, somewhat of a blur. Yeah, mm. I, I don't believe I was there with uh, Tim Hardaway. You know, I think Beach Armstrong was the point guard, and uh, you know Latrell Sprewell was there, but he was suspended. I think <laughs> uh, he was never at practice. And um, uh, yeah, it, that was a wild ride there, man. These two and a half months. I mean. You know, I remember some some parts, and and don't forget, it's also a long, long time ago. Sure, almost sure. twenty one years ago. Yeah. yeah. Well, let, let's let's wrap this up with one last name on that team. We won't go through everybody, go but how about Chris Mullen? Uh, he 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 didn't play. Oh really? I mean, that Warriors he had a roster, but but I think the top three players didn't play him, and and, and oh. I think we fought till the end. We were one game off for the playoffs. We fought for that, and uh, you know Kevin Willis and and uh, and uh, and BJ Armstrong. I remember those guys uh, carrying much of the load, but Chris Mullen was hurt. He didn't play. Uh, was the big fella again that played in Miami before that? Uh, Jerome Kersey. Um, Cycling. No, cycling. Oh, Ronnie Cycling. He right, was right. missing an action. Remember that? He was missing yeah. an action. They didn't yeah. know where he was. <laughs> it was super strange. So I get in there. That's probably why they called me up. Their roster yeah. was down to eight players. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, Spreewall was suspended. Uh, Mullen was hurt. I met him, but never even talked to him because he was never at the practices. Cycling sure. was missing an action. They didn't know where he was. So it was uh-huh. a strange situation. Yeah, I guess that was a little bit of a weird team with a lot of personalities. And it's probably better you didn't have to go through practice with Latrell Sprewell. I've heard stories. Yeah, I've heard stories from the guys that I did speak to at that time, but I cannot uh, I cannot repeat those stories. Otherwise, uh, you know, yes. Latrell will be in front of my door in, in, in a month or so. And I think that's much more likely that he shows up to exact revenge than Shaq. I don't think Shaq cares. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The first when I uh, when I saw that time with the Warriors, the first thing I did was to check if that was the the PJ Carlissimo year. But uh, yes, a, now, it, I remember him, it, of course. Yeah. yeah. Well, and uh, more to the point, Latrell Sprewell remembers him, and he remembers Latrell Sprewell. Yeah. Now, now <laughs> look again. That that sort of stuff is is, is blurry to me, and and yeah, and, yeah. and the timeline kind of is crooked from my end. But I believe that. That incident was the year after, right? That was uh, I think, before. Was he suspended because of that? Or, no, I, I think it was. Two, I think it was two years after. Actually, I think it was ninety-seven. Okay, 
but I, I, I didn't forget what he was suspended for when I was there, but sure. also something similar, probably. Just suspended for being Latrell Sprewell, basically. Uh, so Yeah, I, I tell you what, though, he was fun to watch. On the oh, I bet. Yeah, I bet. Just an, an incredible basketball player who just never really lived up to what he should have been because of, you know, the stuff we have alluded to. Do you think so? I mean, I think he was, despite that, he still lived up on the court, especially in New York. I think, I think, you know, he couldn't have been, I think he got everything out of what he was as a basketball player, definitely in New York. Really? I always, I always kind of felt like there was more there and maybe uh, for whatever reason, he never hit the the top end of what he could have been. Because he was, Mm -hmm. like you said, incredibly talented. Yes. Very. All right. Well, I've uh, I've taken up about seventy minutes of your time, Gert. Is there anything you anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Anything you have going on right now? Plug? No, I'm not the, the, the <laughs> plugger sort of type. Uh, I want to thank you for the time that you're putting into this and having a, a relatively unknown as myself from across the world and the other side of the world. Um, you know, give me some airtime. I appreciate that, and uh, do me a favor, send me yeah. the link. Yeah, I'm going to look for that. So this has been this episode of Tales from the Association. My guest has been Gert Hammack. Gert, honestly, absolute pleasure getting to talk to you today. Glad to, glad to be on your show. Thank you.